Hello and welcome to another White Male Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Clint. And this is our first episode. Oh. Welcome to our first episode. Clint, uh, so did you see that the uh, Oscars did not put out the shortlist today? Oh, well, they'll be putting it out. It'll just come at a later time. They always drop it at a random time, if my memory serves me right. There's no set time. They like to surprise us. They did say it would drop February 9th, but alas, it did not. So um, the Variety uh, did put out a tentative list, which looks pretty accurate. So we'll see if we hear anything from them. Are there any surprises? Are, are there any surprises from the variety list? Ones you don't expect to show up on there, or ones you just haven't heard of yet? Well, it was kind of a list where, like, when I you saw the nominations, it was like, oh wait, this is a film that could be nominated for Oscars. Like, like under uh, uh, costume design, the prom was there, and then like I could, I, I could see the prom getting a nomination there. That makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. films you just like kind of go under your radar, and then you. Or just surprise, like, oh wow, people actually really like this movie. Maybe this will get some attention. Yeah, and then Mulan, it was like visual effects, and I was like, we still remember Mulan. Like that I think Mulan is the definition of a forgettable movie. So like, I was yeah, like absolutely. wow. Okay. But it's, it's always wow, it's always okay. weird. It's always weird ones that get into the category. Ones like you don't pay any attention to. They're like, oh, it's Oscar nominated. Like Suicide Squad was nominated like four years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I yeah. guess. Well, those are the, those are the categories that are just impossible to predict. We will be looking forward to the nominations that come out March 15th, so stay tuned. March 15th, it's so close, yet so far away. <laughs> I know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take forever. It's going to take forever. We all know it. We all know it. Yeah. But there have right. been, this past week has been very, let's say, revealing for nominations-wise, because tis, most, tis. A, 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 a lot of the biggest um, outlets for nominations really put out their uh, nominations this week, like the Golden Globes, uh, the Screen Actors Guild, Critics' Choice. This all just randomly, like day after day after day, bombarded us all with nominations, and for the most part, we hated all of them. Yes, yes. I mean, th- there there was some. No, it was good. okay. It's okay. Some were some were better than others. A lot of disappointments, but that's usually what you're gonna get out of a Oscar year. So I don't think we should expect anything other than that. But I will not stop being angry that Paul Rassi was not nominated for a Golden Globe or a Screen Actors Guild. God, I know. I I don't think it's looking good for him Oscar season. <sighs> That's what everyone's saying. He was he was he was my pick to win for a while, and then. Boom! It's just not being nominated anymore. The Critics' Choice nominated him because that's the only one of the three that was actually pretty decent. I'll give them that. But Jared Leto. Yeah, I know. Jared Leto instead of Paul Rossi. I know. I'm shocked because you know they gave Riz Ahmed so high praise that like he he almost is the favorite besides Chadwick Boseman, obviously. For I I, I believe he is. And then his his co-star just like completely gets left in the dust i know that's and that's the thing that sucks when we when we focus on one really fantastic performance we kind of just like kind of forget about the rest of the really good ones in the same film yeah yeah speaking of male actor which is getting a lot of buzz this year you know you have riz ahmed in the sag this is for sag of course this is riz ahmed chadwick boseman for ma rainey anthony hopkins gary (laughs) Oldman. 
that should be a meme and steven <laughs> yun which i actually loved his performance I, so. I, oh yeah i love steven yun i don't think he has a chance of winning but he, he gives a fantastic performance and i'll be really upset if he's not nominated in the oscars however gary oldman <laughs> i know i know over, i know over, over delroy lindo i know i can't um, i can't believe it i have yet to see mank i should see it because it's but then fun but i've been but i've been warned against it but i feel like i still have to see it so yeah, yeah just yeah. Uh, it's it, it's the favorite to get the most nominations of the night not the most wins it's not a favorite to win best picture or really any awards except for one or two but it is the favorite to get the most nominations i think early predictions back when it first came out had it at getting a possible 10 nominations right i hope i'm I'm hoping deep down in my soul that gary oldman's nomination does not come to fruition on march 15th but it's more of a chance than i'd want it to be i i think he's gonna be in there just because yeah it's just they they love gary oldman i'll give him that they really (laughs) love gary oldman weird they love gary Oldman. they love nominating but they only gave him a win like two or three years ago yeah if you look at something like female actor you know you got i mean i think glenn coase has got it in the bag you know for supporting actress for a while, i mean as much as i wish she wouldn't she gives a great performance in a really really yeah. bad movie in a really <laughs> horrifically bad movie it's 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 like I, I'll, I'll give it to her whatever i won't be angry about that one there's been wins before where it's like yeah we're just kind of just giving it away because they've been nominated like a thousand times that one i right. won't be so angry because she actually's actually up wholeheartedly she's the only good part of that movie but i think people are really underestimating that film as a whole that film as a whole getting nominated no i i I agree i think because people even for a while they weren't even thinking glenn close get nominated let alone winning however at the very minimum she's winning uh, she's winning sag and she's winning golden globes i'd be shocked if someone bet against that yeah when she won the oscar I was, or she when she didn't win the Oscar for the favorite, I was shocked. I was shocked she didn't win the Oscar for the favorite. I mean, of course, you she, know, she, she, wait, 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 you, 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 you're getting mixed up. She, she lost the Oscar to Olivia. No, Coleman. I know she lost. Yeah, you were saying Glenn Close yeah. was in the favorite. That was my mistake. Okay, no, I was <laughs> to shocked. Be, to, to be fair, he has not watched the movies, so I might have just he might have so I could have just spoiled a fantastic Glenn Close cameo that didn't happen. But a Glenn Close cameo. <laughs> oh my god, I I do no, think I... she has it in the bag. She's not my pick by any means, but she she no. has it in, I think she has it in the bag. I mean, my current pick would be, I don't know, I'm I'm in between two. I love Olivia Cook and Sound the Metal, but Minari I, Grandma. I I hope it goes to the Minari Grandma. I hope it goes to Jima. She was amazing. I, I, I don't even think she got a nomination at the Globes. Oh no, she didn't. I don't think she did. I think she got a SAG, and she definitely got Critics' Choice. I don't see her name here. Yeah. Who else got in this category besides? Let me look at that if I can find it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Close for Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, Olivia Coleman for The Father. She's very good in that. Uh-huh. Jodie Foster, Jody Foster for the film name I cannot pronounce. <laughs> Amanda Seyfried for Mank. She's fin- if the, if anyone is going to upset Glenn Close this year and anywhere, it's going to be Amanda Seyfried for Mank. She's the like the one part of Mank that like, I think is really great. Yes. And yes, Helena, no, Zeng- Helena Zengel for News of the World. I watched uh, News of the World the other day, and I 
thought it was just fine. It's a Tom Hanks movie. It's a nice. It wasn't a bad time. It's impossible to have a bad time watching a Tom Hanks movie. I'll give him that. But um, I was not expecting it to get as much traction as it's getting awards wise. But it's like I was shocked to see it in Critics' Choice nominees. I was I didn't think that was a film they liked at all, let alone enough to nominate it for their. Oh, no, same, same, but same. I mean, I'm not mad about it. It's not a bad movie. It'd be a weird win. I don't think it's going to win. I think it's got zero chance of winning, but. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. You know, we're talking about the Golden Globes and, you know, we had this interesting conversation the other day about, um, I don't know, we'll put it, uh, let's put it, uh, movie musicals or film musicals and their place in the Golden Globes, <laughs> specifically naming Hamilton. Well, I think, nomination. I think, I, I think calling it a movie musical is a little too nice. Cause it is just a, like the prom is a movie musical because it's a film adapted from a musical. Hamilton is straight up just a recording of a musical. True. True. Yeah. So, but, so, um, I, so it's, it's, it's closer to a documentary in my opinion. And I think like if it had to get nominated at the Academy, which I don't think it's eligible, it it's would not, be classified no. as that. But uh, the big news that upset me in the past month is that on the same day they announced Minari, uh, couldn't compete for best motion picture drama because it was a foreign language film even though it's made in america and about americans and so entirely bad. about the american experience but because they speak korean the hpfa is scared of that so well if you look on the golden globes website it says it's like usa's submission <laughs> like right, it's, I, it's usa it's, in parentheses like it's but then it's foreign language like i don't i, I don't get it I, whatever i don't get that at all and then, and like the same thing happened like last year with Parasite. Parasite wasn't nominated for Best Picture Drama in Golden Globes, which is just no. insanity. But whatever. Yeah, that, that that just annoyed me, and it just feels like a little bit of like, is it Disney favoritism? Is it Disney's wallet? Is it something like that? I just don't know if it was able to weasel its way into the category. It might be the, a little bit of both. The best motion picture, musical, or comedy category in general is just a mess. <laughs> just i no, i would agree but you know i'm surprised they gave um best actor the be- the best actor nom to lin-manuel miranda like like why did you give it to lit like i get it like he wrote the damn thing and everything would, would would leslie odom count as best actor in a musical if like if it was if this was the tonys would he was he nominated for best actor in a musical or would he be supporting he actor he won Best Actor in a Musical. It was, and it was Best movie. Actor, not Supporting yeah. Actor, right? He, he won it. He won it over yeah. Lynn. I, I'm not crazy so. about Hamilton, but Leslie Um Jr. is fantastic in Hamilton. And Supporting Actor, I mean, I would have given David a nom. He got so much press after the Hamilton... Uh, I will say, I'm very, I, I, David Diggs did get a nomination at the SAG Awards for um, Best Supporting Actor. Oh, it was, it was Best Supporting Actor in a TV movie. Well, best, act, be, be, best actor in a TV movie slash limited series, David Diggs Hamilton. Okay, okay, so you got the SAG. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he and, and he's listed as best actor, not supporting. There's no supporting actor for this category, TV movie huh. slash limited series. So he's put in there as actor. Yeah, you gotta give him some credit because everybody oh, I, I mean, he, he's fantastic in it. I'll give him that too. Twitter was blowing up 
after <laughs> after the rightfully, movie. Right, rightfully so. He's fantastic in it. And then I was on Letterboxd, and every single review was like, David Diggs was the best part of this movie. Period. Mic drop. Like, <laughs> like I was like, okay, fine. Even even, even the one star, even the one star reviews were like, yeah, hey, why, the star is for David Diggs and David Diggs only. Exactly. No, that's so funny because I've like we've all seen that review. Like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the, yeah, it's like the top review for Hamilton. Oh, okay. Well, we saw some exciting news the other day, didn't we, Clint? About uh concerning frankenstein yes we did a, there is supposedly a new project between emma stone and yorgos lanthimos director of the favorite the last film those two collaborated on and it's his take on the classic frankenstein story but knowing it's yorgos lanthimos and he's a weirdo there's a little bit of a twist on it so yeah. the movie is called poor things and obviously it's a period film because of course it is it's yorgos lanthimos <laughs> Come on. And when they said when they announced Emma Stone was cast in the movie, I was like, oh yay, another um they cast another damsel in distress and some monster movie. But no, Yorgos Lanthimos has the balls to cast Emma Stone as his Frankenstein, which I loved. I think it's genius. I, I, think, I think it's it genius. I'm and so I think, excited. I think she's coming for her second Oscar and I'm starting the Oscar campaign before the film has even begun production. It says here that it's not going to production until this autumn, so it'll be a little while till we get to see it, but it was still some very interesting news. Yeah, expect a 2022 premiere. Yeah, late, 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 late 22, maybe um, if the virus is over, which, who knows? If, if can happens again, I, I bet it'll premiere there, or TIFF, or one of those. Right, so exactly. Does, but she... Um, Emma Stone's character is named Bella Baxter, and she is described as a volatile, oversexed, emancipated woman and a female Frankenstein. And the film itself focuses on Bella, who, quote-unquote, drowns herself in order to escape her abusive husband, but was subsequently resurrected when her brain was replaced by that of the unborn child she was carrying. Yeah, oof. So as far as Jorgos Lanthimos goes, it's about the most normal of the plot synopsis. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, it's a baseline. <laughs> yeah, it's a baseline. This is your hardcore appetizer. Hardcore Jorgos Lanthimos fans are going to be like, oh man, you didn't go darker for this one. God damn it. <laughs> the, the favorite, while not a simple film at all, has not a dark premise. It, it does its Jorgos Lanthimos thing, and that is a very interesting film to talk about. And that's, that that would be like a, that'd be a three hour podcast. We try to dive into that. Jorgos Lanthimos as a whole, he has such a distinct style, and like it's immediately recognizable for even people who've just like watched one movie of his. Like if it's like if the film you're watching is dark, depressing, and the dialogue feels like it's not written by a human being. It's probably Yorgos Lanthimos, and I mean, and I mean, and I mean that in the best way possible. That can be easily be taken as an insult. I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, yeah. The first, yeah. the first Yorgos Lanthimos film I saw was a movie called *The Killing of a Sacred Deer*. It came out in 2017, and it's got Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman. That's the one thing he always manages to get a really stacked cast, even like in the early start of his career. I don't know <laughs> the connections he has, but Ow. he always figures it out. But yeah, that was the first one I watched. When I first watched it, to be given, it was 2017. I was very young, but I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated it. But for like months and months after, it just stuck in the back of my head. Like all these scenes and snippets. And like I had to go back to YouTube sometimes just watch that scene again. Like, oh, that was cool. And I was like still telling myself, oh, no, it's a shit film. You hate it. It's bad. But like 
I don't know. That's the thing. Even if you even if it makes a movie you absolutely hate, you can walk out of the movie being like, "This is the worst thing I've ever seen. I wish I never saw it." It's never gonna leave your mind. It's always gonna mm-hmm. stay there. He's got. He's such got. It's, it's his style. It's, I can't even put it into words. He's got something about him. So, him taking an old story like Frankenstein, which like I love horror. I love Frankenstein. I love classic Universal monsters. I'm very excited to see where he takes it, and I'm. I don't want to get too hyped because I hate getting hyped for movies and then I end up hating them, but I'm really excited yes. for this one. So, uh, we we here at another male, another white male podcast like to break, break down, down some films. And, you know, one of the reasons I thought about starting this podcast is because of this exact film we're about to talk about right now called Another Round. It was made in 2020 um, by Danish filmmaker Thomas Vinterberg. And... It is about four high school teachers that are all going through their own midlife crises, uh, and they decide to conduct an experiment based on the idea that um, your blood alcohol concentration uh, that that humans were born with uh, is too low. And uh, it is effing amazing. Just based on that synopsis alone, I love the, like, going into the film, I, it sounds weird to say, but I already loved it, because it's such a new idea. Like, I know. Like, if that makes any sense. Like, 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 how, like, I just don't, like, that's not an idea you can, like, come up with. Like, you can't sit down and, like, like, I need to come up with a screenplay today. I need to write something today. That's not something you can just pull out of nowhere. Like, that's such, it's such an original idea for a film, and I don't think anyone could have done it better than him. It's such a good idea for a film that I'm so terrified a horrible American filmmaker is going to remake it in like a couple years with like Adam Sandler, Owen Wilson, so and funny. Kevin James. That's so funny because I just saw an article about like if Americans try to do it, the lead is going to be Will Ferrell. And he's yeah. Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> and he's and you just going to write alcoholism in such and a bad way. And you know what? Mads Mikkelsen won't be nominated for an Oscar. Will Ferrell will both be nominated and win that year because that's just how that's that that's how the American film industry works. And he's gonna win. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's oh it's such God. a good, it's such a good idea that like if I was a greedy American filmmaker who wanted to make some quick money, I would absolutely copy that film. <laughs> I know, I know. I I hope they don't though because it's it's. Oh perfect. my God! I'll be so upset if they do. <laughs> it will be undoubt um un. Oh my god, I'll be so upset if they try to copy that idea. I know, I know. But the way but, they like portray alcoholism is it, it, that's that's what makes it really unique. Right. Because so many so many films tackle alcoholism and they try to either romanticize it, which isn't the method to go, or they they come off like a Mormon speaking to you, like, oh, alcohol's bad, it's sinful, it's gonna ruin your life. And like this film is able to walk the really fine line in between those two paths it can go. It's it manages to not romanticize it and pretend alcohol is like the way to go, but it also isn't like trying to tell you to not drink alcohol. It's not trying to shove shove ideologies down your throat about like why you shouldn't do alcohol. Like things happen yeah. to these guys because they drink alcohol and like their lives are destroyed and lives are ripped apart. But at the same time, they have a lot of fun. Some of the most fun scenes I've seen in the past year or even decade is just them completely shit-faced, having fun, dancing in the street, doing whatever. We'll get there. We'll get there. I, we will get- I, I don't think enough people have seen this film yet to go full spoiler analysis today. So right. I, I, think right. if, I, th- I think if we have enough thoughts that are too spoilery, 
we could wait till after it wins the Oscar for Best International Feature, which it has in the bag. Which and it if will. it doesn't, I will cry. But I think the Oscars always bring more attention to international features because people will just put it on. And they'll mention something like, oh, yeah, I'll put that on my list. Watch that. And then more people are able to see it. So, exactly. yeah, I, I, I hope the Oscars, at bare minimum, I hope it gets a nomination. If it doesn't get a nomination, I'll be shocked. I, I will but, be shocked too. <laughs> besides the point. Like, yeah, and like like I was saying, like it shows them having fun with alcohol, but at the same time, it shows the absolute lows of it. It shows how it can destroy you. Yeah, so it's like, like a, yeah. It's it's both the most fun film I've seen all year and the most depressing film I've seen all year at the same that, time. That's a perfect summary, yeah. And I, I just like, like I'd like to do with things, I made a comparison to Parasite, because like, you know, like the first <laughs> half is like, they're like kind of like kind of chill, and then the second the doorbell rings, like that's when the shit goes down, right? Yeah. So, so I just remember watching another round, and I'm just like, yeah, this is like great. It's taking me aback, you know. This is great, you know. The, you know, they're really they're really starting to find some joy in their life, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, like right at the halfway point, or maybe it's a little past, I just see the crank up to like point seven to like. 1.2 and i'm like oh my god what the that's, hell? That, like, that, 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 that's a very creative thing this film does yeah. like whenever the men are seen drinking either by themselves or together it shows a uh, full black screen with white letter with white uh, numbers showing the alcohol blood alcohol level slowly ticking up so like the film starts off it's like 0.0 and it's like okay 0.5 oh, okay 0.10 0, i'm sorry 1.0 and it slowly gets higher and higher and higher and higher exactly exactly goes on I, right up until like i'm we're not gonna spoil it right up until like a crash and like it's such a low crash and like it's not even like a how some movies do like oh this is the person's lowest point in their life and it lasts like five minutes a solid half an hour of the film is just these men at their absolute lowest exactly yeah and just where it like where is something like they thought was so good like the whole that it just kind of dug for themselves, you know. I mean, some of those scenes just heartbreaking, like with their right. with their wives and children, and just you know, like just complete complete downturn. Right, because also like another thing the film really does well is show the effect the alcohol has on the people around you, in both yeah. a positive and negative manner. So like it what like yeah maybe when you're tipsy or maybe when your blood alcohol levels is a little higher you might just be a better partner you might be a better teacher you might be a better everything but it go a little too high or you get a little carried away <laughs> you could I'm not I don't know get divorced you could kill someone you could do I'm not saying someone kills someone in this movie but you know what I mean you could uh, you could just you your whole life could crash yeah exactly and I love how they dealt with their lows because they weren't too dramatic they were real they were real people. Um, and they were just put in these crazy situations. You know, the actor, um, Mads Mikkelsen, um, who, you know, play, I forgot, what was his name in the, oh, it's not coming to me right now. Okay. We're going to figure it out. It's some Danish name. We'll figure it out. Um, but he played the lead basically. And he said, um, his name is Martin. His name is Martin in the movie. Okay. Martin. Okay. He played Martin. Okay. And he played, he said, the film takes ordinary people and puts them in extraordinary situations. And I think that's what, like, Thomas Vinterberg's does so well. And that's why this film is, like, 
so great because these are just like high school teachers and they they could be doing anything with their lives but they decided to do this crazy ass thing because they found that their life wasn't getting anywhere like right they they felt like they've all hit a stop in their life like there's no going up there's no going down there's they're just stuck at a medium they're grounded and there's nothing for them to do they're bored with their careers their lives they don't think they're relationships are as interesting as anymore and they're finding a lack of interest in even each other so exactly and i know mads mickelson is going to get a lot of rest which he should because his performance was absolutely amazing and again if we talk about the end scene we'll get to it but i have to give a special shout out to thomas bo larson oh my god i'm so happy i'm so happy you mentioned him i feel like no matter any no matter how many reviews i read or videos or breakdowns i watch no one mentions how good he is in this movie he just breaks my heart he really does like it's so bad i think above all he probably has the most fun with the movie even though i'd say he has the least no i wouldn't say has the least amount of time he 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 really uses his time on screen because this is definitely mads mickelson's movie yes it doesn't forget the other three because all the other three teachers all have their scenes and like they all have they'll fleshed out story arcs like when we talked about there's one with the music teacher and like we both we both have like um a history in music with music teachers and we've both worked with music teachers before and we've both been in the real music environment and often when we watch films that are either about music teachers or are just that have music teachers or just like little one-off scenes with music teachers like conducting a choir we're always like what the hell this is nothing like it's like this is like you have you had way more experience than i have but even you're like what is this this is not how it's like at all have they ever seen a choir have they ever seen teenagers before yeah but the way this scene went down was like a really realistic depiction of it and this is like a tiny little thing that doesn't really have any credence or uh, any impact on my enjoyment of the film but it's like one thing i always think about in the back of my mind like wow that's that was like really good and another thing i like whenever a movie's like oh wow don't they sound so good they generally they generally don't <laughs> they generally no. sound horrible when there's a choir in the movie <laughs> they actually sound fantastic in this i believe it's the um, danish national anthem they're singing yeah i'm pretty sure i believe it is i'm not 100 percent sure about that that i don't know there must be some symbolism with that because that song echoes through the film a lot but like just the build-up for that scene i mean the way he just you know he tried so hard and he couldn't get it and like you know obviously we talk about the rule of three so much but it's utilized so well like what nope not getting it too nope not getting it and then <laughs> literally takes like two full minutes shuts the blinders like closes everything like makes like right it, it makes these, an atmosphere makes these singers like imagine like like a scenario that they never would have imagined before and i mean it was just that was beautiful and it was like and, and it was also a moment you know to connect back to the, sort of the theme of the film like oh wait like alcohol is like working like this is like good right. like there's like there's this big montage of scenes of all four teachers rediscovering their passion for teaching all over the course of one school day yeah as 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 they as they get deeper and deeper into their i don't want to call it alcoholism but um their study let's say cuz cuz like what they are doing as the film goes on and maybe that's what the black screen presents so they have like a file or like a laptop or something where they're typing up their their findings of their reports 
and it shows you them typing up in the highest scenes and the lowest of scenes. But like whenever they drink together, they type the findings of their report. So they report in like how, how their day was, how what influence the week has had on them and how much they've progressed and what's what the um, the comparisons between last week and this week. They all jot that down together. Yeah, I feel like having the psychologist teacher at the psychology teacher there like really helped like kind of move everything right. along. And he kind of almost set the set the tone or set the get the ball got the ball rolling. I believe know? he's the one who brings it up, right? Yeah. At the dinner yeah. table. Yeah. Yeah. That's what gets it going. And I mean, then it's just wild ride from there. You I mean, you're just sitting the tra- you're just sitting in the train and you're just taking you're just gonna take along for the ride. You're taking along right. for the ride. And, and that's, another that's thing I noticed another an, another thing I can tell when I really get attached to a film and really like a film when I like nothing can distract me from watching the film. Like unless I'm in the cinema, there's gonna be like a distraction or like I'll be like half on my phone, half watching the movie. There's always gonna mm-hmm. be that. For another round, I don't think I looked at my phone for the entire two hours of the film. No, no, there's absolutely there's not. Like the like the film, um, it's it's not as like tonally different and sh- like have different um sharp tonal changes like something like Promising Young Woman does, but it kind of echoed that for me. Like because I feel like it can really shift between really high fun quick tones and like really slow melodramatic sad depressing tones really quickly yes no, and yeah. but like not but not quickly where it's like oh we're just, this is a different movie now like it feels natural and i think it's meant to do that because like that's what a person's like when they're under the influence because like yeah. your emotions are everywhere you're scattered everywhere you're you're a you're a, <laughs> your brain is at a thousand different tones yeah, and what I thought was really interesting is the actors went through um, alcoholism boot camp. I saw that, where, yeah. Where they may or may not have experimented with different blood alcohol concentration levels. And I, I believe that answer came from a question where they were asked if they were actually drunk on set. And I think they said, no, they didn't want to do that because then it would have been impossible for the director to actually like make anything or get a control of them. Yeah. No, but they they but that's what made it so good is that they were able to just like go through these emotional arcs and be like really right. dive into these characters while maintaining while thinking about all the different like blood levels, you know, and how that like kind of affects you. Like what is point five? Like, right. what is point I think seven? for the I think for the first big part of the movie up until the inevitable fall, there's like this feeling in the back of your head this tension this rising like momentum as the number as the blood alcohol level slowly goes up you're like oh something's gonna happen like yeah. at any moment like these people are on screen you're waiting for them to mess up or do something stupid like i was yeah. waiting for one of them like to pee their pants from the classroom or something i was not i would have not been surprised if that was something that was going to happen but right alas it did not <laughs> alas Matt mickelson did not pee in front of the whole class <laughs> oh my gosh he's, he, yeah. he's a method act. he's he's a method actor he would have actually he is. yeah no he is he and little did you know that he was drunk on set he was severely hammered was, <laughs> that that that's why they keep talking about him because he was actually you know he was actually right method actor I, at best i i don't want to make the claim that this is the best depiction of what being under the influence is like but like i kind of want to make the claim because like yeah, I, I from 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 any anyone who's like ever had any alcohol, they're like, yeah, this is like, this is a, this is a perfect depiction. 
of what it's actually like like because too many movies try to like do it in like a comedic or funny way like make them look like clowns just falling around just doing dumb stuff not not acting like how a normal human being would right and that's 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 what it's about like when they're when they're at the peak when they're at the peak of what they were doing like the, their experiment that's it's just the part you just want to root for over and over again right this this film could have very easily been about alcohol and i think too many people dismiss it as like oh yeah it's that movie about alcohol i wouldn't call that at all i think it just uses alcohol almost as a prop to show these four concurrent character arcs happening on screen it uses alcohol as like the moving force the the spark that causes these arcs to go to start to get to gain some momentum exactly the alcohol is the catalyst right the movie is about it's it's a celebration of life and just being alive, which was didn't was not the intention. I was about to say. Um, so on the first week of production, Thomas Vinterberg's script wasn't as life affirming as it came out yeah. to be. But in the freak accident, his daughter passed away in a car accident, and in like the soup he was in, he realized that he didn't want to make a really depressing down on yourself movie because he didn't think he needed that or the world needed that and he thought and he and he tried to write a script that he and he if he if his daughter was there to read it a more life affirming that celebrates life instead of like because so many of his films i think most of his films are very dark depictions of like how dark and gross humanity can really be especially a film like the hunt but this film Mm -hmm. tried to be something different it's like okay we're like he took a script that was just going to be like all the others, like a little darker and a little less, a little less fun. I want to say, I yeah. think, it, I think, yeah. I think the original script was what we feared this movie could have been going into it, and the revised script was what he turned it into to make it more life affirming and just joyous and just fun. Exactly, exactly. And it's so weird that it came out like COVID like COVID-19 this awful pandemic but like it's it makes it that much more relevant I know I, I think I think it couldn't have come, it, 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 it couldn't have come out at a better time no yeah it's, it's a celebration just... of life like friendship companionship it's a celebration of all the things we like have held so deeply for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and I think it's another reason why they chose alcohol as their subject is because like alcohol is really deeply ingrained in the danish lifestyle like you like the opening montage is i don't remember what it's called like the beer run or something it's, i think it's ca- i think it's the lake run the lake run. lake run where like all these freshly graduated students i don't know if freshly graduated they're all like uh they're all like seniors i don't, I don't know what their version how their school system works but like for america yeah. they'd be like all seniors in high school and what they do is was it were they like on like were they like piggybacking each other like carrying them around the lake and stuff was that how it worked were they just full sprinting i don't really remember they, how that they can do it however they want to but you have to you have to run around a track and you have to in the process um uh down a down a box of beer before you yeah. make before you complete the lap and if you and if you um the the goal is to be the fastest obviously so if you but if you vomit by yourself you get time added on but if you vomit in sync as like a group then your time is deducted (laughs) (laughs) and this is an actual thing that happens this is an actual thing that happens in denmark both uh vinterberg's daughters actually were in lake runs 
uh and that's how we kind of that's one of the inspiration for the film uh it's i insane i can't i can't even imagine doing anything like that oh my god like the the, the karens would not love that if we did that here <laughs> karens though they would be all over they would find every way to criticize the lake run <laughs> absolutely no but people were actually like like you're gonna you're gonna do this like yeah but what about the police and they were like no the, no the teachers are there it's fine it's so like <laughs> everything is okay but yeah it okay. starts out like that as like as like um like surely adults can't be this bad right that's kind of like how it sets which is kind of really like amazing like mind-blowing So we were talking about um, a, the celebration of life, and I think that's a great uh, segue. If we, should, if we should, 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 should we talk about the ending? I think it is. I think it is time. Okay. So anyone listening right now who has not seen the film and hasn't already signed <laughs> off for fear of hearing minor spoilers, I would definitely suggest that you give the end of this podcast, assuming this is the end until you watch the movie and i recommend that you watch the movie as soon as possible because it's fantastic i've given it a five star i believe you've given it a four star but you may have upped four, it four. Since... yeah so yeah um if like stop listening or or just listen because you know what it's all about the journey but if you want if you if you don't want to be completely spoiled go watch the best ending of this year um, yes or maybe the last five years <laughs> <laughs> It's up for it's, debate, but I wouldn't argue against it. Exactly. Okay, so the ending scene. So it really just transitions very smoothly because Mads, he is in like a restaurant and with, with the guys, they were just talking about, they are just talking about the, their whole experience. And Mads kinds, kind of like goes out, looks and sees all the graduating class, you know, go on these like, I don't know, like big like, trucks or vans or something and they're on the top like drinking beer <laughs> and he just gets so like struck i guess that he gets all his he, he joins the crowd basically he runs down the street from the restaurant and so begins the dancing like and the best it's just it's such a good scene it's so beautiful it's so it's it is it's so everything. beautiful it, it couldn't have ended in a better way. And I bet I bet you the biggest change from the previous script to the current one was the ending. Yeah, because no, I, I, I think the end the ending is what makes or breaks the film. The ending could have gone two ways. It could have been life affirming or it could have been sad, depressed, <laughs> sad and depressing. And I bet the sad and depressing ending would have been fantastic, too. But like my serotonin levels are very happy. He chose the life affirming one because <laughs> I know I agree. I agree. And the song choice he used, um, "What a Life." Uh, I mean, come on, like, what, what a it has been stuck in my be head for forever. What, could there be a better song? Like, it's it's such a great song, and it's it's Isn't entirely it in English. Yes, but his wife listened to it, and he he was like, eh, "Okay, well, whatever, I'll think about it." And he just loved the song so much. Everything it. Re like represented in the film right and 
it gave. I, th- I think it perfectly. I, th- I think it perfectly echoed the themes of the film while also being like an actual song these teenagers could possibly be listening to. Exactly, and it gave Mads Mikkelsen such a platform to like dance. I'm so happy. I want to see more of Dancing Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, really do. I know. I know. And the the whole point of it, they said it was it was kind of like like they let him dance, but then like restricted, and then dance restricted, and then he just finally like let go and like didn't worry about it. Right. When Thomas Winterberg first approached Mads Mikkelsen about doing a dance in the film, he was like like apprehensive because he before he pursued acting, he was a dancer, which I think is he, just he, such he, a great he, re- he retired it to become an actor and pursue it. And I'm very happy he chose that lifestyle, but I'm very <laughs> happy he had this background in music. And I don't know if you saw it, but I was able to fa- find uh, like a little um, uh, a training video. It was him with the choreographer for the dance piece. I saw like, it. Little, I saw it. Okay. It was like 26 seconds. Right. But it was perfect. I was like, more, 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 please. please. I, I was like, when I first clicked on, I didn't see it 26 seconds. So I got so disappointed when it ended, like after the first chorus, like, no, more, please. I know. I know. I was the same way. But yeah, it. there's this quote from Winterberg. It's just so beautiful. It's He said, one character dies and one flies. And I was like, could the music, could, could it be summed up in a better way? I don't think so. Right. Like, that is now, so good. I told you this just in passing, but I don't know if you've gone back and watched the scene again or heard people talk about it. Yeah, but yeah. The final shot of him, of the whole film, is him diving into the ocean, like f- jumping off the pier into the ocean. But it freezes. It, it, it freezes. It, it freezes on that frame. So he's halfway in the air and sinking at the same time. But his, like, I don't, I don't know what he's wearing. It's like a coat jacket type of thing. Like, dressing jacket i don't know like the thing you'd work with like a tux and stuff yeah yeah you know what i'm talking about it like a- a- as yeah as the air like rushes up to him as he falls down the coat jacket looks curled up it looks like butterfly wings almost mm-hmm. so like it's almost meant to be like this is him flying and i f- believe i read somewhere in an interview that thomas Winterberg like he believes like he he knows that he made this ending like up to your interpretation like do you think he's flying or do you think he's falling you choose but he believes that in this scene he's flying like not actually flying obviously but like this is is this is this is happy this is good this is because he's reached he's kind of reached his potential like he's kind of right he, he he's found what he's been looking for and he's realized that he didn't really need to look for it at all it was just kind of right there yeah, it's like like yeah. most films about like rediscovery stuff, or like finding something new to hold on to or something. But this is just like just him. Like he comes to terms with the fact that he's not a teenager anymore. He comes to terms with the fact that life is different and he's got responsibilities and the career. But he's able to embrace that and find the joy in it and just dance and have fun. And he uses alcohol as the funnel for that fun that he gets out of life. And he wasn't afraid to do that in front of like his own like everybody yeah i mean it the one thing this film portrays so well is like the relationship between like midlife and youth and how alcohol affects them both and i the the fact that they were that that last scene both groups had like alcohol and i think that that just kind of it's not it's not a bad thing it's just like them unifying together um 
it, like kind it, of just it, figuring it, this whole it, thing it, out. It, it, it takes an important cultural thing like alcohol and uses it as the connecting piece between like what we desire for from our youth and what we embrace in our old or older years. Yeah, kind of going back to that like alcohol catalyst thing that Vinterberg does so well. But uh, that was another round. And I want to watch oh, it again. You, you talked about it, it, and I want to watch it again. <laughs> I know, we talked about it so much, and I'm like, oh my god. That's time to watch just, it again. Let's just listen to What a Life, and then just, like, watch it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. The next episode, we'll have Max. <laughs> yes, and, and Vinterberg. And Vinterberg. And Vinterberg. Yes, of course. We, yeah, we, we'll get them. It won't be too hard. Thank you all for tuning in to our very first podcast. This was a very spur-of-the-moment idea, so we don't really have any social medias to plug yet, but... Hopefully by the next or the one after that, we'll have a social media set up. We are going to try to do this on a consistent basis. I don't know if we'll be out, we'll post one on the same day every week, but maybe we'll do an every week one or every other week or once a month even. But we're hoping to get some consistent basis that we'll all figure out in the, in the meantime. But thank you for joining in and we will see you soon. I'm Clint. I'm Danny. And this, this has been, been another, another White Mail Podcast. podcast.